Welcome to episode 8 of our chapel podcast series, Faith That Works. This week's topic is from James chapter 4, verses 6b to 12, brought to you by Trinity College, Queensland. Uh, my name's Nigel Rogers. If you don't know who I am, now you do. That's all. Question for you, who are you under the influence of? You don't have to answer that out aloud. Just in your own heads is fine for now. Who are you under the influence of? The top five influences in the world. According to the Visual Capitalist website, which I've never been to apart from uh, getting this particular information. So if you take Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram and TikTok, none of which I ever go to, and you put them all together, the top five looks like this. Number one. Do you want? Who would like to have a guess? Who might number one be? Twitter. Oh, of the. Oh, of the. So, who is the person? Oh, the person. Who, the person who is the influencer, with the most followers across all platforms that are worth noting, apart from Paul Jones. So, oh, well, that's. So the most followers across. If you add up Twitter, etc., etc. Yeah, I'm going with Musk. Nope. Who was that one? Justin Bieber. Really close. He's number two. Ooh. Kylie Jenner. No, she's number eight. The Pope doesn't count. As far as this is concerned, in the life of the church, he's a big hitter. He's a. Okay, Cristiano Ronaldo. In the interest of time, that is. You know, how cumulative total. Listen to this. Cumulative total, bearing in mind that there's probably, you know, some followers that are the same across all the platforms, but cumulative total, 517 million followers. When you add up all his followers across those different platforms. The Biebs is next, Justin Bieber, 455 million followers. I mean, the population of America is like 330 million or something, isn't it? So there's, you know, there's a lot of influence going on. Um, Ariana Grande, one of Paul's favourites, 429 million. Uh, Selena Gomez, 425 million followers. And lastly, coming in at a paltry 361 million followers is Taylor Swift. Oh, people are disappointed about that. I mean, she should be higher, obviously. Clearly, Tay-Tay should be right up there. But think about, just for a moment, think about the influence that these people have across the world. I mean, 517 million followers. Even if that figure is just a little bit off, that is incredible influence. It is staggering. The impact of their influence on so many of their followers is reflected in the way that people dress, the way that people do their hair, the food they eat, the phrases they use, the aspirations that they have, and even the desires that they have to be influencers themselves. The strange things about influencers is they influence other people to want to be influencers. Yeah. Now, I have done some serious research over the weekend on your behalf <laughs> to back this up. My youngest, who turned 15 my youngest daughter, had a little gathering over the weekend. So there were a lot of other 14 and 15-year-olds there. The impact of influences was very obvious in the way that 
the girls were dressing, in the way that they did their hair, in the things that they wanted to eat. Now, fortunately, it wasn't, you know, looking at them going, oh my goodness, they're under some kind of spell, <laughs> as the influences in the world have an influence on them. But you could just hear also in the way they were talking, the phrases that they used, the influence of influences is so real. This question of who do we come under in terms of influence is so real for us. It is real for everyone who lives life today. But then we get to our text for today and James commends the members of the early Christian churches to submit yourselves then to God. This word submit from the Greek word hupotasso, hupotasso. I nearly butchered that, John, but I made a good comeback. <laughs> hupotasso. It's written hypotasso, but then I'm thinking to myself, no, John wouldn't say it like that. Hupotasso. It can be interpreted in the context of James' command to mean to put life in order under the influence of God. Sit with that for a second. Submit yourselves. It's up on the screen there for your benefit, Liz. To put life in order under the influence of God. Now, we know that James is big on faith that works, faith and works. For instance, in chapter 2, verse 14, he poses the question, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? So to submit is to act. It's not a passive thing. You don't just passively sit back and submit. You actively submit. And we submit to God on a daily basis. To put ourselves under the influence of God is not something we do just once. It is an everyday occurrence. It is a whole posture of who we are. And this is discipleship, to submit to the way of Jesus as our master. Now, implied within coming under the influence of Jesus as our master is the willingness to embrace the authority of God over and within our lives. To come under the influence of someone is to give them authority over our lives in ways that shape who we are, in ways that shape how we live, and in ways that shape why we live. James moves the text into a familiar space when he says that through putting our life um, in order under the influence of God, we are effectively resisting the devil. To resist is to actively stand against something. So when he's talking about resisting the devil, he is saying we are actively standing against the tempting influence of the devil to separate us from God. Now, this temptation is going to come to all of us. We know that all too well. James spends plenty of time in the opening chapter of his letter speaking about standing against the tempting influence of the devil. For instance, we read, but one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. Then when that desire has conceived, it gives birth birth to sin and that sin when it is fully grown gives birth to death 
And lingering within all of those words is this sense of being drawn away from God because God is life. James calls for the people that he is writing to to submit themselves to God because of the way that he is seeing the tempting influences of the devil at work within the churches he is writing to manifest most evidently in the pride underpinning much of the conflict that is playing out within the communities that he's writing to. In verse 6, James draws together the reason for the fighting and quarrelling as being driven by pride. Now, the understanding of pride here is all about people having a higher opinion of themselves than they ought. That's a great definition of pride, isn't it? Thinking more highly of of yourself than you ought. Such a high opinion leads to arrogance. It leads to haughtiness. The big issue with this is that it causes people to want to bring others under their influence. That's what pride does. You think more highly of yourself than you ought, then you think you have a certain authority that allows you to bring other people under your influence. In this way, pride is actively seeking to draw people away from being under God's influence to being under their influence and control. And it's no wonder that God opposes this kind of pride. When we read God opposes the proud, it's no wonder if pride is trying to draw people away from God, what kind of God would God be if he's just passively sitting by going, that's cool, I'm okay with that. God is a jealous God. And it's also no wonder that it leads to conflict as people seek to influence, control and manipulate each other. Furthermore, this is the reason why James makes such a big point in verses 11 and 12 about judging others. Now, Judging others is one of those maybe contentious and perhaps misunderstood issues in the life of the church. Here we see clearly that if people are judging others because of pride that stems from an overinflated opinion of oneself, causing them to believe that they have a position of influence and authority over others, then that is deeply problematic. This is fundamentally so because James once again points out that assuming this position of influence and authority is attempting to stand in the place of the one lawgiver and judge namely God. James is doing something here that helps us to understand what judging looks like in the life of the church in a healthy way. Because James is, in a sense, bringing about a judgment on the proud. So it's okay in the life of the church particularly those of you who are leading or who are aspiring to go into leadership in the life of the church, it's okay to call people out if their actions and their influence is seeking to be exercised in ways that draw people away from God. If they are seeking subtly or overtly to place themselves in that spot that is God's and God's alone, then it's okay to be able to make a judgment call on that and say, that's not where it's at. And in communities, that is important to be able to do. So we see James doing that very thing. 
by judging the pride that leads to people seeking to draw others away from God's influence and to bring them under their own influence. Because pride creates an inability for Christians to fully participate in the ongoing mission of God. It plays into the devil's hands of drawing people away from submitting to God's influence and authority. To keep people away from participating in God's mission is a great win for the devil. Clearly, James had a sense of competing missions and agendas. So let me speak perhaps uh, to those who are current and and potential leaders as, as we bring home a key point that James is making here. Leaders have influence. Whether it's because of the position that you have as a leader, whether it's because of the, the, the preferential influence that people give you, leaders have influence. Pride-driven leaders will seek to exercise influence over people, motivating them to fulfill their purpose, the purpose of the leader that is, and often seeking to shape others that they lead in the image of themselves as a leader. The humble leader sees a bigger picture at play as they are a follower first and leader second. In Christian leadership, this is essential as leaders are first followers of Jesus. Now, this resonates in what James says in that God gives grace to the humble. Humility, according to C.S. Lewis, is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. One of the big impacts of living in an influencer-saturated world is that it can so easily cause people to think less of themselves. This becomes a dangerous cycle because it can easily lead to people being absorbed with themselves. The cycle is that the more we think less of ourselves, the harder we try to find identity, meaning and purpose. So the cycle is perpetuated because we seek harder and harder to find identity, purpose and meaning and where do a lot of people look? They look to people who will influence them who we now call influencers. Humility allows for an ordering of our identity, purpose and future under the influence of God. Humility is paramount when we think about submitting ourselves to God. To put our lives in right order under the influence of God requires humility. This brings freedom from constantly having to try and find ourselves, having to try and work out why we exist and where we are going. More to the point, the grace that God gives to the humble is the gracious opportunity to participate in the mission of God as children of God. Our purpose as followers of Jesus is that we are able to share in what God is doing in the world today. Our identity in that participation is as God's people. Now, in an intriguing way, James is writing as an influencer, but more so as a leader. 
While we might not be clear as to which James authored the letter, it is clearly written with an apostolic leadership tone. And those who are leaders in the church today would be wise to hear the call to be people who every day order their lives under the influence of God. Because from this posture comes humility to be followers of Christ sharing in the mission of God. And this mission is to reconcile people to God through Christ. That's what we are sharing in. And this works against, directly against, the temptation of the devil to draw people away from God. And from this basis, what we can understand is this. Leaders shape communities. So hear that? Leaders shape communities. If you're a candidate for ministry, you're in ministry, you're leading, you shape communities of people, gatherings of people. Leaders shape communities that have at their core a culture of disciple making, sharing with Christ in drawing people into relationship with God and then maturing as disciples, as those who who submit themselves to God. That is the greatest privilege that we have as those who put their lives under the influence of God. Now, you're probably wondering, why have I got that picture of someone who you might look at and go, looks vaguely like me? That is my son. And the reason why I've got a picture of Harry up there is because Harry is 20. He's in that generational sweet spot of being influenced by so many voices in ways that I don't, when I was 20, couldn't even begin to imagine. Beginning of the year, Harry really started pressing into wanting to know more of the things of God. Because he was in a spot, not a spot of bother, but just in a place where he's going, who am I? Where am I going? Why do I exist? Surely there's got to be more to life than simply what the world around me is saying. Now, obviously, being a pastor's or a minister's kid, he's heard a lot of the things of God. But being able to own that for himself and explore those things for himself is so critical. We uh, had our regular coffee uh, three weeks ago and he said to me you know dad I, I really think I'm starting to to warm to the things of God and I'm like well that is very exciting <laughs> and I kind of kept a lid on my excitement a bit like how I just said it and then later that week he said dad can we go and get a coffee and those of you who know me know that I don't need my arm twisted to go and get a coffee and he said to me dad this, we just got in the car, like first thing, because obviously he was busting to say this. He said, Dad, I want to get baptised. And I was just like, wow. As a parent, I want a lot of things for my children. But above all, I want them to order their lives under the influence of God. So whether it's Harry or whether it's any of you or whether it's anyone that we might come across as those who share in the mission of God, our greatest influence is to share in the work of God drawing people back into relationship with him through Christ. That is the best 
And that is the privilege that we have as those who submit ourselves to God. So I ask you that question again. What or who is influencing your life the most at the moment? Have there been ways in which perhaps over the last little season or the last week that there's been influences that have crept in that have just subtly drawn you away a little bit from God? Are there influences at work in your life like that? Because if they are, God's grace is enough to be able to say, hey, come back. I'm a jealous God. Submit yourself to me fully, not partially. You might be in a place where you're like, I am right at the moment completely. I am, I am completely under the influence of God. My life is going great at the moment because that's where it's at. And if that's you, then praise God. Literally, like praise God for that being the case. Either way, God is gracious, God is loving, and God wants us to be in that place where our lives are right in the way that we understand who we are, why we exist, and how we go about living our lives because they are under God's influence. And from that place, we are compelled. We go from that place into the lives of those around about us with an intent to be able to see those who we do life with, who we love, come into relationship with God and grow and mature as followers of Jesus. So let's pray. God, we take a moment to just reflect on the influences in our life. Holy Spirit, show us where there are influences at work that are tempting us away from you. Give us the courage to own these things, confess these things, repent of these things and turn back to ordering our life under your influence, God. God, thank you that you show us the way and that you empower us to live in it. As those who submit ourselves to you, and we ask that this day and into this week, we might know in tangible ways your influence in our life, shaping us, transforming us, and leading us on. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Trinity College Queensland. Honest answers to tough questions. Visit trinity.qld.edu.au to learn more.